0: Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I'm so glad you could be with me. Tonight we have a very, very special guest that you may remember from the incredible movie, What the Bleep Do We Know?, Dr. Joe Dispenza is with us tonight and he is not only an expert on the brain as a neuroscientist, but he is the author of this incredible new book called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It is a brilliant, brilliant book and it's all about creating a different reality and understanding how the brain works. You're not going to want to miss out on this incredible show tonight. So I want you to sit back, relax, tune in as we listen to our sponsors on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Did you know that money is one of the easiest things to manifest? It is as long as you reprogram your mind from lack to prosperity. If you are worried about finances, then Change your thoughts with a brand new hypnosis MP3 called Money Activation. Listening to this will release your money blocks and change your beliefs into abundance all within 30 days. Go to LawOfAttractionTools.com and purchase the instant download. You'll be amazed by the results. That's www.LawOfAttractionTools.com.
1: You are listening to your daily dose of well-being and inspiration on Law of Attraction Radio Network at Network.com. Hear this incredible show on your smartphone through Stitcher.com, which goes through your car stereos with Ford Sync or any auto dashboard that has the Internet. Listen to our 24-7 broadcast with our mobile app as well, or just listen through an MP3 player or computer. Remember, Network.com, heard in over 120 countries is the radio station for your well-being
0: okay we are back now let's get on with tonight's show because I am so excited to meet this legend dr. Joe Dispenza I want to make sure I get everything right on this so I'm going to read his bio he is fascinating and so accomplished so that you're going to understand fully that this guy dr. Joe really knows what he's talking about Dr. Joe Dispenza, DC, is a neuroscientist, lecturer, and author, and is an expert on the brain, mind, and human potential. He spent decades studying the human mind, how it works and stores information, and why it perpetuates the same behavioral patterns over and over. He draws on both scientific and universal principles to deliver practical tools and techniques that empower people to truly change from the inside out and so change the results of their lives he was featured in the movie what the bleep do we know and the new film people versus the state of illusion coming to a theater near you dr joe has written two best-selling books Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind, and just published Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One, which became, by the way, number one best-selling book in self-help and personal development on Amazon.com, The Week. It came out, so I am so delighted, and I hope you'll join me in welcoming Dr. Joe Dispenza. Welcome, Dr. Joe, to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I am so honored to meet you, sir.
2: Nice to meet you also, Jules.
0: You have, um, of course, been in the movie What the Bleep, and I remember you so well, as I'm sure the rest of the listening audience, but you are also a best-selling author and you have a brand new book called breaking the habit of being yourself well I've read this book and it is phenomenal but it's like a textbook because you have all of these graphs and everything that talk about the brain and it's so informative so why did you decide to go into such detail why is it necessary for us to understand what's going on in our brain
2: Well, I think that science has become the contemporary language of mysticism. I think science is a way to describe the supernatural now. You know, uh, if we start talking about religious texts or tradition or culture, we start excluding individuals. And the research now that's being done about empowering individuals, a new science of neuroplasticity and the concept of epigenetics and the quantum model of reality really is a way to empower people to understand what's possible but it's it, not only is this a time in history that people want to know i think more importantly people want to know how so when you begin to understand uh how things work and the reasons for the way your brain functions you're you're more prone to apply them in your life and see measurable changes and when you see those measurable changes you're more apt to repeat the process again and again
0: wow yeah absolutely And you go into uh, details about the health of the mind. I thought that was fascinating because you're giving details of how the brain can rejuvenate, right? And how it can go into being diseased.
2: Absolutely. I mean, we're either in a state of growth and repair or we're in a state of emergency or we're in a state of breakdown. And for most people, the majority of people in this culture live their lives reacting or responding to the environment so the environment the external world is controlling for the most part how we think and feel and if the environment is uh, dominating our thoughts and our feelings then we're victims to the external world and if we believe that our thoughts have anything to do with our destiny then as long as we react to everything familiar in our life we keep creating more of the same in our life so what we're talking about in the, in the book Breaking the Habit is how to actually change the way we think and feel inside of us to produce some result outside of us. So going from the Newtonian model of reality, where people are living and reacting to the external world and being angry and frustrated and hateful and judgmental and envious and jealous and fearful and insecure and anxious and suffering and painful and hopeless. Those are primarily the emotions that are driven by the hormones of stress, which are an emergency state. Now, the short term is, is that all organisms can handle short-term stress, but no organism in nature is designed for long-term stress. And it's those hormones of stress that keep knocking the brain and body out of balance, which begins to create disease. So the, the, the result of that over time is that we keep doing the same things, thinking the same thoughts, reacting emotionally in the same way and really expecting something different to show up in our life. The new model says that we can literally shut out the environment and change our inner state and create a level of coherence, a level of balance in the brain and body that is now greater than the environment. And we can change the brain and body to look like the event has physically already occurred. Now, it's no longer cause and effect it's now causing an effect and once people understand that distinction then there's flourishing then there's rejuvenation then there's expansion then there's health then there's a a reorganization of balance in the brain and body and and um, we have all the biological machinery to do this
1: we
0: do but you describe that it's a multi-process it's just not going into meditation and and thinking about it, there's a whole bunch of other things to do. That's what I thought was so fascinating about your book.
2: Well, I like to demystify meditation. I mean, the word meditation, the actual translation, the the symbolic um, uh, interpretation of the word meditation literally means to become familiar with. That's what the word means. So the process of change, Jules, requires unlearning and relearning. It requires breaking the habit of the old self and reinventing a new self. It requires what we call in neuroscience pruning synaptic connections, just like you prune a fruit tree, and sprouting and growing new connections. It requires unmemorizing emotions that we have stored in our body and then reconditioning the body to a new mind or a new emotion. It's literally going from the past to the future. So if we look at the word meditation, it makes total sense then because in order for us to change, we have to become familiar with our unconscious thoughts. We got to begin to pay attention or notice our unconscious habits and behaviors. And we have to be able to observe those emotions that keep bringing us to a lower denominator. And if we keep observing them by just repetition, we begin to objectify our subjective mind. In other words, if we're looking at our thoughts, our behaviors, and emotions, we're no longer those programs, but we're the consciousness observing them. So the process then, meditation means you got to know thyself. You have to become aware of those unconscious uh, states of mind and body. Now, the word meditation in terms of flourishing and pruning, uh, sprouting new connections is the same thing. Because as you begin to think in new ways, as you begin to contemplate new ways of being, as you begin to speculate new behaviors, you can literally change your brain to look like the experience has happened. In other words, you're installing the neurological circuitry, ahead of the actual event so now you have the hardware in there to use when you get up in your waking life so if you keep reminding yourself who you no longer want to be until you become familiar with it and then you keep reminding yourself who you do want to be as you remind yourself who you no longer want to be nerve cells that no longer fire together no longer wire together you biologically prune away the old self and as you begin to fire and wire a new level of mind as you do that in time you install that circuitry and that becomes the very very platform of your destiny and if you keep repeating it you'll become familiar with those new thoughts those new behaviors and those new emotional states and that leads you to a new destiny because the premise of the book says this your personality creates your personal reality and your personality is made up of how you think how you act and how you feel So it makes sense then that if you wanted to create a new personal reality, a new life, that you'd have to change the thoughts that you think, the choices or behaviors that you demonstrate, and the emotions that you live by. Now, I think that most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality, and that really doesn't work.
0: Right, right. That makes so much sense. So let's break it down a little bit. Say at the beginning of the year I made a, a resolution to stop being so judgmental because I found that when I'm judgmental people are judging me so is that what you mean about understanding what's going on in you so you can rewire that to stop being so judgmental
2: okay well that's a great place to start I mean but the the psychological model says that by the time we're 35 years old, our personality is a finite set, complete set of memorized behaviors, m- emotional reactions, habits, and, uh, and attitudes that run like a computer program subconsciously. Oh. So that means then that by the time we're 35 years old, we've conditioned the body to become the mind. We've done something so many times that the body knows as well as the brain. So if the body is the subconscious mind because we've trained it or conditioned it to be that way, then most people are trying to change a state of mind, say, judgment, with 5% of their conscious mind, and yet they've memorized so many thoughts, so many behaviors, so many emotions that exist subconsciously. So they, they start out with good intentions, but they return back to the same self because they never got into the operating system of those subconscious programs where they reside. However, if you said to yourself, what are the thoughts that I think that happen in my mind when I'm judgmental? What are, they, what are those exact thoughts? And you wrote them down and you said, oh, I think this. I hear this voice in my head, my head that says this. Uh, I, I notice that I, I feel this way. And you begin to notice how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And you wrote down those states of mind and body and you memorized that list and began to become familiar with the old self to such a degree that no thought, no behavior, or no emotion would slip by your awareness that you did not want to experience. You became conscious of those states. And we could say then, that in time as you begin to remove yourself from those programs you're no longer the program. Now the first step requires this unlearning process because it's like someone trying to think positively, but they've been feeling negative for the last 25 years. Right. So that's mind and body in opposition. A person says they want wealth in their life, but they feel poor. That's mind and body in opposition. Or, or they, they pray for a new life, but they feel guilty. That's mind and body in opposition. We have to recondition the body to a new mind. So after we begin to become familiar with the old self, that's an unconscious set of programs, the more familiar with it we are, the less likelihood of us returning back to that old self. Now, and when we do when we decide what thoughts we do want to think, and we begin to write those down, how would a non-judgmental person think? Well, they probably would just love the person and allow them, be present with them. How would they behave? And you begin to list those. How would they feel? And you begin to move into those states of mind and body every day. Now, not only are you changing the circuits in your brain, but you are now emotionally conditioning your body to become familiar with that new state of being. Because when mind and body are working together, or when our thoughts and feelings are aligned, we are in a state of being. And that state of being then allows us to memorize an internal order that nothing in our external environment can move us from it. Now, that's a sign of mastering something.
0: Wow, that is beautiful. I fully understand that. Oh, good. Fully. I mean, that just makes so much sense. But So how long does it take usually to get that neurons built? Is it true it's 28 days, 38, 30 days, or is it longer? It just depends on how deep you go within.
2: Well, I don't think that there's any particular time frame that allows us to change. I mean, it depends on the emotional addictions we have. It depends on how relaxed we are when we do it, how long we do it for, um, uh, if we're doing it properly. There's too many variables to say what it takes to change. Uh, I think that I've seen people change overnight, and I've seen people... Uh, change uh, and it takes them a year so uh, the the hardest part of all of this really is simply making the time to do it Uh that's it I mean making time for our precious selves to retreat from our familiar external life that regulates a set of thoughts and behaviors to reaffirm our identity and begin to think and feel in new ways and then try it out if I can maintain this modified state of being my entire day and something different should show up in my life. That's the law. And if I return back to my old self somewhere during the day, then let me begin to investigate what caused me to react in, this, in, a, in a, a particular way and let me begin to think about new ways of being so that when the experience comes, I modify my reactions so that I'm moving away from my present life and I'm walking into a new life. So I don't think there's a time frame. I think that it's a really funny concept, but When most people are changing, they're really pretty much resigned to the process of change. So the body is the best mind reader in the world. uh, If you were sitting there and I said to you, Jules, you know, uh, nine out of ten times I want you to fake standing up. But one time I want you to actually stand up. Well, the nine times you don't decide to stand up, you have no physiological change in in your body. The moment you decide to stand up, actually before you even make the conscious decision to stand up, your body already as a precognitive uh, organism already is aware that you've made that decision ahead of the actual decision now how does that work in the process of change well most people in the process of change they're sitting on the couch they have the television on they have their computer to their right they have their smartphone to their left they have the remote control in their hand and they're flipping through the channels and they say you know i think i'm going to change tomorrow and so The body already is so precognitive, it it doesn't get any movement out of its resting state. So the body gets the information, and the body says, she's not going to change. Are you kidding me? We already know that she's going to go back to the same person. But if you say, I don't care how long it takes me. I don't care. That's time. I don't care what's going on in my life, environment. I don't care how I feel, body. I'm going to do this, and you make the decision with firm intention. And that decision is an experience that begins to store itself in long-term memory. You're beginning to rewrite the programs in that moment, and the body is the unconscious mind. The servant, the animal, gets a very strong signal, and it says, uh-oh, she's actually serious this time. Now, most people wait for crisis or trauma or disease, or diagnosis, or loss, to get about changing.
1: Right. Because
2: we have to reach our lowest denominator. We have to, the ego has to be bruised to such a degree that we can't think the same way any longer. We can't act the same way. We can't feel the same Personality falls apart, and that's when people finally go, okay, now I'm fractured to such an extent, I better think about who I do want to be. Now, my message is, why wait? You know, that we can learn and change in a state of pain and suffering, where we can learn and change in a state of joy and inspiration. And so the hardest part of this is literally cultivating a new mind and new body every day to begin to take the time out of our lives to begin to ask some profound questions like, what is the greatest expression of myself that I can be today? What do I love about myself that I want to enrich? Um, What no longer serves me that isn't loving to me? What behaviors or choices am I making? that are undermining my my possibilities. And just asking some of those simple questions will begin to cause the brain to work in new and different ways. And whenever you make the brain work differently, you're changing your mind because mind is the brain in action. So if we can remind ourselves every day we produce the same level of mind, we're headed for a new life.
0: You're right. Oh, my goodness. And <clears throat> Excuse me. I can see that that would work perfectly With the weight loss, getting that determination, having that food in front of you, boy, that is, you've got to get that determination to carry it through, and that starts everything flowing.
2: Well, if you look at the concept of weight loss, and, you know, I've had the privilege a few times in speaking to organizations where people are interested in a certain level of health or a certain change in their physical body, you know, forget about the weight. I mean, what is the reason? that you're overeating to make why are you tr- what is the feeling you're trying to make go away now when you start addressing that feeling because that feeling has become so familiar to you that you think that's who you are but feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences so that's not who you are that's just a memory from the past that's literally chemically uh, residing it's a residue from a past experience so a person may feel unworthy a person may have self-doubt, a person may be insecure. And so that feeling doesn't go away very easily, but they can eat something or sweets or whatever, and they feel good. And the moment they feel differently inside of them, they pay attention to whatever caused it outside of them. And that event in and of itself is called a memory. So as the person begins to change that level of unworthiness or self-doubt or insecurity, and they begin to unmemorize those emotions, then it makes total sense that if you're no longer feeling unworthy or if you're no longer doubting yourself or you're no longer feeling uncertain or insecure, then there's no reason to make that feeling go away. And now you're actually making choices that reaffirm a new state of being. So it's important also to look at those emotional states because that's what's driving the behaviors to uh, to overconsume in the first place.
0: So you're talking about not only mindfulness, but you're talking about mindfulness with your emotions you have to really get into yourself and really monitor what you're feeling at all times because we're worth it
2: absolutely and and you know mindfulness or what is in neuroscience called metacognition and what that word means is simply that we can pay attention to how we think we can think about how we think we can notice how we act and we can become aware of how we feel and because we have such a large frontal lobe it allows us to look at who we're being so that we can modify our behaviors in moments, do something differently, make a different choice, create a new experience, choose a new emotion, so that we can literally do a better job in life. So, here here we go because by the time we're 35 years old, we've hardwired a set of thoughts, we've hardwired a set of behaviors, we've memorized a set of emotions in our bodies uh, that we think is who we really are, but uh, we're not the record of the past. We are, in fact, a map to the future, and that means that we have to change the brain and body ahead of our uh, our environment to look like the experiences already happened.
0: Okay, so after age 35, you would think if you're mindful, you could change faster. I mean, i felt a a great growth between the age of 35 to my current age, which is way over 35.
2: (laughs) This this is important because uh, in the book, I talk about this concept called the gap. You know, by the time we're 35 or 45 years old, we pretty much can predict the feeling of every single experience we have in our life. We know what success is. We know what relationships and sexuality and sexual identity is. We know success and failure, pain and suffering, guilt, shame. We pretty much mastered all of those limited states. And so after a period of time, we can look at a future event and we can determine how it's going to feel. And if we don't like how it's going to feel, we'll avoid it. So how can the unknown ever show up in our life Mm -hmm. if we're predicting how an event is going to feel because by very nature that feeling then is a record of the past and we're literally keep we keep recreating or choosing the same experience in our life now we reach a point in our life where all of a sudden you know we've experienced all of these things and nothing's really making that feeling go away that we've become familiar with that's our identity you know and so this is the midlife crisis because now the person is saying, "I don't understand love. I don't know what's important to me any longer. I don't want to do these things. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to keep this facade, this identity, this false ideal going." You know, we create this gap, and this is how we appear to the world, and this is how we really, really feel inside of us. This is, you know, what we project, and we want everybody to believe we are. But what's going on hidden inside of us is emptiness, or insecurity, or 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 pain, and so. First thirty-five years of our life, we can keep this identity going by identifying with the environment. We can go to school, we can make friends, we can move to different places, we can, you know, get education, we can buy cars, we can make new friends, we can get married, we can get divorced, we can buy homes, we can buy pets. And all of that is to really keep this identity going, identifying with the external world. And as we're putting all our attention on the external environment. We don't really have to feel this feeling because we're too distracted by the external world. Well, by 35 or 45, all of a sudden, this feeling starts to creep up a little bit more. And certain people start to look at this feeling and they start to say, uh, I don't love you because I don't even know what love is. Um, what, who, what, what, you know, what is God? What is our meaning in life? Why am I doing all of this? Why, who am I doing it for? And they start looking down at this feeling. And this is the midlife crisis this is where people all of a sudden start to break their emotional contracts and emotional bonds with everybody in their life and they start telling the truth and everybody up here who's using them for their own emotional addictions to reaffirm their identity all of a sudden thinks that this person is losing their mind and in effect they are losing their mind and what they're really saying is is that i don't want to keep all of this going because this is like spinning plates and this is where people all of a sudden start to fall down to this point now some people authentically reach that emotional state and they begin to look at who they've been and they begin to make changes. Other people, they go to the doctor, the doctor gives them Prozac and boom, they return back to the same person, reaffirming their same identity. Other people, they try try to re-identify with their environment. They buy the sports car, they Mm -hmm. buy the boats, uh, they join the new social club, they go on vacation, Uh, they, they try to have new relationships, all of that is to try to create a novelty or a newness to really make this feeling go away. But when the novelty wears off, here comes this feeling again. And this gap is defined by the emotions that we've memorized from past experiences that we've become addicted to. Now, true change doesn't happen by trying to create a new identity outside of us. True change happens when we begin to unmemorize those emotions and close the gap between how we appear and who we are. Now, when how we appear is who we are and we have that level of transparency, every time we unmemorize an emotion, that emotion is releasing energy. And that energy now is available energy that people get to use to create a new destiny with. In other words, when the body is freed from the chains of those emotional addictions, the body is liberated from that emotional constraint of believing that it's living in the past. The moment that happens, there's energy that goes from the body into the field. And that energy now is now energy to create a new destiny with. And that's when people begin to make measurable changes.
0: Wow. That's powerful. Wow. Terrific. I love it. I love it. Now, let's talk about some of your workshops because I know you have a bunch coming up. But in your workshops, do you go through all this? Do you help people to release or to get to that place where they can get this new energy?
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh, after I was in What the Bleep and after I wrote my first book, uh, I think one of the common feedback uh, responses that we got was, well, really great information. Yeah, we understand the science, and now we know it's possible, but can you tell us how to do it? You know, How do we do this? And so we started teaching these workshops pretty much around the world with the intention of showing people um how how to actually apply these things and how to make those changes and so the workshops are designed specifically to give people the necessary information and then give them the tools to begin to apply it to their life and so um we've had amazing successes with a lot of people in terms of changing their health creating the things they want in their life and um you know making making some really substantial changes for themselves
0: yeah i read in the book you even had a um Uh, a person won a lottery ticket.
2: Yes, yeah, that was a pretty amazing experience. And and that's we've had a few other people win the lottery too, uh, which is, you know, if that's where your intention is, that's great. Uh, But we've also had a lot of people that were diagnosed with pretty serious health conditions. And uh, when they began to understand that the same emotional state keeps signaling the same gene in the same way, and that the body is the unconscious mind and it doesn't know the difference between an experience in your life that produces an emotion and an emotion that you fabricate by thought alone. So the body, it believes it's in the same experience and by living by long years of resentment or long years of judgment or long years of rage or anger or fear, the body actually believes it's in the same conditional state twenty four hours a day seven days a week three hundred sixty five days a year and it's that redundancy that begins to push the genetic button that creates disease when people begin to understand that when they can overcome those states and then recondition the body to a new state of mind uh... that in time we've seen diseases like uh... ms and cancer and lupus and uh... hashimoto syndrome and chronic pain and um, depression insomnia just literally changed because the body is no longer uh, b- uh, believing that it's in the same environmental conditions. So we're pretty pleased to see that, uh, that there are really great things happening uh, because of this. And so when we started getting the feedback that we were getting with all of these breakthroughs, it was a really strong and monumental moment in my career because I understood now that, that it was, I was actually making a difference, making a substantial difference. And, and I think I'm the happiest uh, and the most overjoyed when I'm contributing and and, uh, uh, people are actually uh, doing it so it's been wonderful
0: wow 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 your workshops I've got to go to one tell me about the meditation is meditation all about blanking out your mind pausing your mind or are we give me that detail
2: well uh, we can talk about meditation with some of the latest technology, and and um, when you and I are in a conversation like this and we're chatting, our brainwave patterns are are in a state of wakefulness. In other words, as you and I are discussing this information, if we were to look at, at an electroencephalographic reading of our brains, our brains would be in what's called a beta state. In other words our neocortex would be firing information and it would be be trying to integrate all the information that we're talking about, everything in the external world with what's going on inside of us. So when we're functioning in beta, the outer world is more real than the inner world. Now, that's important for us because we function in three dimensions or four dimensions and we have to keep our attention on the outer world. Now, when we react to things in our life, stressful situations in our life, our brain goes from what's called a low level of beta that we're just hanging out and relaxing and talking to a mid-range beta which is a little bit more vigilant all the way to a high range beta where you're overly analytical you're overly focused your brain is in a very incoherent state you're in emergency mode and no new information can enter into your nervous system that isn't equal to the emotion that you're experiencing so in that state you don't want to learn you don't want to grow, you don't want to have ideas or create long-term building projects because you're an emergency, and in an emergency, you're not interested in uh, growth and repair. You're interested in the immediate moment and, uh, and the emergency that's related to it. Now, when you're in that state, you're pretty much in an analytical mode of thinking. You're always evaluating the next moment based on the past moment. You're thinking in polarity, good and bad, success and failure, right and wrong, positive and negative. Because the brain is divided in half, we're constantly doing that. When you close your eyes and you begin to eliminate the external environment, and your brain is no longer processing anything visually, 80% of our input comes from our our sight, our spatial orientation, the moment we begin to eliminate that, in, uh, the external environment, we play soft music in the background and we're not hearing ambient sounds, the neocortex isn't thinking or putting its attention on the external world any longer. And it begins to slow down its, its processing. It becomes less analytical. And the moment that happens, we move into what's called an alpha state. And in alpha, according to the research, the inner world is more real than the outer world. In other words, what you're thinking about or dreaming about seems to be more real than the external environment. Now, this is an important place to be because this is when you begin to move from the conscious mind through the analytical mind into the operating system of the subconscious where all those habits and behaviors and programs exist. Now, when we move into this alpha state, we have periods where we lose track of time and space Mm -hmm. because as the frontal lobe begins to process new information and you're attending to one idea or one concept it doesn't want to be distracted by all the extraneous stimulation so it acts like a volume control and it begins to lower the volume in the circuits of the rest of your brain that are connected to the environment that are connected to your body that are connected to time and if there's no brain activity in those areas of uh, uh, different regions of your brain to process your body, environment, and time, then you are no body. You are no thing. You are no time. Now, this state of dissociation, this moment where you become nothing, is the moment you are becoming pure consciousness. And when you're living in those emergency states, you're over-focused on your body. You're over-focused on your external environment, and you're obsessing about time and you begin to define reality with your senses, we become materialists. We begin to focus on the very small portion of the atom instead of on the possibilities of the atom. Now, if an atom is 99.99999% nothing possibility and 0.00001% particle or, or physical material, then when we're living in emergency or by the hormones of stress, we're focusing on the particle and we're missing the waves of possibility. When we move into this elegant state of creation, when we become nobody, no thing, no time, and we have all the machinery to do this, that moment where you are focusing on nothing, you forget about yourself, you forget about your problems, you forget about your relationships, your kids, your dogs, your husband, your wife, your problems, your, your, what you do for a living, you're no longer uh, processing that same level of mind that keeps your reality the same. That's the moment you move into the quantum field. So you can't enter the quantum field as a somebody. You have to enter as a nobody. You have to enter as pure consciousness. Now, when you enter in this state of pure consciousness, that's the moment we have dominion over the body. That's when we can begin to change something in our environment. That's when we can alter time in some way. And so because we have all this uh, neurological machinery to do it, uh it means then that we clear the slate of living in the past, becoming completely present in the moment. Now, most people when they hit this point, they think I arrived at this place and because there's an elevated emotion that comes with it, and that elevated emotion that begins to come up with it is that come up means that we're no longer thinking certain thoughts that make certain feelings, and those feelings drive the same thoughts that create the same feelings. And the majority of those feelings are derived in the hormones of stress, our survival centers, our sexuality, our digestion, our, our power and control and importance and fear and guilt. If you're no longer firing the same circuits in your brain that are making the same chemicals, you've, you've really vacated biologically. Those, that energy has to go somewhere and it has to move out of those survival centers and it moves up into the heart on the way to the brain and you begin to fall in love with the present moment. You begin to feel free. You begin to feel like there's possibility. You feel like you're connected to something. You feel like you're seeing things that you never examined before. And this liberation of energy is literally the body moving from the past to the present. Now, most people stop there because it's such an amazing feeling. And what it is is, is that a divine consciousness that we're connected to beginning to bleed out of us. It's beginning to move through us. It's beginning to consume us. And I call that the natural state of being. Now, once you get into that natural state of being and you feel so amazing, why not use those emotions and that energy to create a new destiny? So in our meditations, we don't just say move from the past emotions that, we've, that have become part of our identity into nothing in the present. We say now that you're in the present, we've just cleared the chalkboard. We've just wiped the board clean now. You have available energy to create a new future with. So, well, how, who do you want to be? And begin to design who you will be. Create a new personality because a new personality is ultimately going to lead you to a new personal reality.
0: Wow. That is brilliant. 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 I've got to show everybody your book because this is the book right here that you've got to get. Dr. Joe Dispenza. And his, uh, your website is Dr. Joe Dispenza.
1: There
0: yeah,
2: we
0: go. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> Good. com. you got to go. you got to check out his workshops, his seminars. Buy this book. You're going to love it, love it, love it. This has been a brilliant interview. Thank you so much, Dr. Joe.
2: Thank you, Jules.
0: I hope to have you back again. Are you writing another book?
2: Oh, my gosh, that's just like giving birth and asking if you're going to have another kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Women do it all the time.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. Well, here's the, here's the truth. I mean, the book went to, um, it went to number nine on Amazon in less than a week and number one on the bestseller list there uh, for motivational books. And, um, wow, our website crashed five times in one week, and we had all these technical problems. And, yeah, and I kept telling my staff these are good problems to have. But um, we're just raising this uh, baby right now, and I have a couple ideas for a new book uh, somewhere down the line, but I'm certainly not going to rush in uh, into writing it. I'm, I'm happy uh, to contribute uh, this information right now, and let's see where it takes us.
0: Oh, it's beautiful information. Something, you know, this really fills in the gap for the Law of Attraction. So I thank you very much. And I do consider you a blessing to this world. So thank you, sir.
2: Thank you very much, Jules. And uh, keep up the great work.
0: Thank you. And to all my wonderful listeners, I'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for sharing your energy with us today. We will be back with another great show next week on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. If you would like to see a video of this broadcast, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash jewelshtml or send an email to Jules at LOARadioNetwork.com. You will now be listening to Bill Wolford's Energy Attunement Music, with Higgins as channeled by Cheryl Jensen. This music can be found at meditationvibrations.com. We will now be listening to bradfield and anil be still thy heart music can be found at apismusic.com that's a-p-s-i-s music.com